The Cincinnati Reds had a busy, active off-season week this week. We're going to recap it all, tell you what it means for this pitching staff, and take your comments and questions on this Aloha Friday Live edition of Locked on Reds. Let's go. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team Every day. You are locked on Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction to this team and to information for you. Happy Reds Fest. Hope uh, everyone listening is going to get the chance to go down either today or tomorrow. We've got a lot to talk about where it comes to the Reds pitching staff. They made a few moves. How does that change the starting rotation? And... Of course, it's a live Aloha Friday, and we will take your questions and your comments here today. And a quick PSA before we get started. This is the top of my range, and as everybody's getting ready for Reds Fest, I had the misfortune of testing positive for COVID, so I will not be at Reds Fest. And Steve's going to be driving the ship here today. I'm going to be taking the comments and kind of running those through here and given some commentary every so often, but it's been a rough day, but happy to be talking Reds with you guys here today. Let's, let's jump into the pitching staff, Steve, because Nick Martinez and Emilio Pagan, one of them is definitely going to be in the bullpen to start. Nick Martinez has a start to, or has a chance to start the season in the rotation. How do you think right now, Friday, December 1st, 2023, the Reds starting rotation shakes out on opening day? Well, it's interesting because I think it's it's a no-doubter that Nick Martinez was brought in here to be a starting pitcher on day one. Uh, whether or not that holds for the entire season, I don't know. Again, there's there's the, the Rhett Lauder possibility at some point in time in the season. There's the possibility of Chase Petty at some point in time during the season. So uh, there may be a battle uh, looming somewhere during the 2024 season. But to start things off, they're going to bring him into Goodyear. They're going to stretch him out. They're going to consider him a member of this rotation. Uh, there's still a lot of question marks surrounding this starting rotation. We know for sure. Here's what we know. Hunter Green, Andrew Abbott, Graham Ashcraft. Those three guys, starting rotation. One, two, three. Uh, you throw Nick Martinez into the mix. That's four. That leaves one spot. Uh, Brandon Williamson, uh, I think, made a case doing exactly what I said he was going to do in 2023 uh, to fight for that fifth spot. Um, You've got Nick Lodolo, who is a tremendous wild card. Uh, One school of thought is you bring him back into the bullpen to start things off and make sure that that leg's not going to flare up again. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with that school of thought. I think that he comes into camp, uh, the starting pitcher that everyone uh, assumes that he is, and he's either going to be able to do it or he's not. When they move Lodolo to the bullpen, it it really is a it's a sign that they've given up and changed course with him. Uh, I don't see them moving him into the bullpen until they've made the decision that he can no longer be a starter because his body can't handle it. He can't hold up to the rigors of it. Uh, I don't see him going to the bullpen and coming back. So there's going to be a battle for this fifth spot and. It will it'll lead us to a place where the Reds will have some difficult decisions to make as to whether the odd men out and there's more than one because we haven't talked about Connor Phillips. We haven't talked about uh, Carson Spires. We haven't talked about uh, Levi Stout, who you hope turns some kind of a corner in the offseason. We haven't talked about uh, the myriad of other guys. 
Yeah, yeah. Lion Richardson's that started games for the Reds in 2023. So all of these guys are going to come into Goodyear uh, considering themselves starting pitchers. It's like it's like when we talked to Matt McClain back in the day when he was still in the minor leagues, and and when you're when you're talking about what type of ball player he is before you even get the question out, he was telling you he was a shortstop. Every single one of those guys are going to tell you that they're a starting pitcher before you even finish getting the question out. So it brings us back to trying to figure out what this Reds bullpen could look like. Uh, for me, Jeff, and and I know that we're going to try and save your voice a little bit, uh, but I'd be curious if if you would think if Brandon Williamson's the odd man out of this rotation, if Lodolo comes back healthy and is able to be in this rotation, I think it really does make Brandon Williamson the odd man out. Can you see a scenario where they send him back to Louisville to keep him stretched out as you know, starter number six, or do you put him in the bullpen as the swing man? I think you probably at least start him out in AAA. I think, really, I don't even know that I would say that any of the starters, maybe outside of Lyon Richardson, would I consider moving to the bullpen out of spring training. Um, Connor Phillips, I still think, has a shot to be a starter. He's very all or nothing. He's, he's very, you know, we're going to strike out everybody or we're going to give up a lot of hits. But we only saw him for a handful of starts. So to say we know anything about Connor Phillips is not true i mean we don't know what we don't know with him let alone what we do know so i think that as as the rotation shakes out in spring training i tend to agree with you i think nick Lodolo is in this rotation and if nick martinez is there then you are talking about williamson phillips uh lion richardson carson uh, carson spires all those guys being available and they will pitch we saw it last year like you need more than five you need more than six you really need eight or nine starting pitchers and the Reds kind of have that right now especially if they go out and they get one more guy like I'm kind of hoping they will but as of right now I mean you've definitely got five guys that you can lean on with a couple of wild cards who could make a spot and which I hate to say this in November well now December uh we know that the Reds don't usually come out of good year with everyone healthy in the starting rotation so one of those guys is probably going to make it in there and be careful. This is how you end up on uh, X being accused of saying people were going to get hurt and wishing injury on people. Don't, uh, no, don't. Here's here, here's my thoughts on this with the, with these starting pitchers. Um, I think that Brandon Williamson has done enough at the major league level to show that he belongs at the major league level. Uh, sending him down would be an unwarranted demotion in my mind. Uh, if, if he can't make this starting rotation because they signed Nick Martinez and the other guys are all healthy and back and, and, and Williamson can't beat any of them out. I think he deserves to stay in the majors and go to the bullpen as a, a multi inning swing guy to keep him somewhat stretched out in case you got to fire him up in a hurry again, to be a starting pitcher. Uh, the rest of the guys that started games for the Reds last season, I, I don't think can say that same thing. They haven't uh, given us enough of a body of work to say that you can't send them back down. Connor Phillips showed us flashes, but he is by no means a finished product. He can go back to AAA and work on some things. Yeah. Carson Spires can go back to AAA and work on some things. Lion Richardson can go back to AAA and work on some things uh, and, and possibly get better by the things that they work on down there. I don't think there's anything left at Louisville for Brandon Williamson to work on to get better. He needs to be facing major league hitters. He needs to be working with the major league coaching staff. So for me, I think that's how I see it shake out. So uh, that being said, you've now got Brandon Williamson 
probably, probably into the bullpen. We know that the signing of Emilio Pagan fills another one of those slots in the bullpen where we thought they only had two or three slots to fill with the guys that we both believed were going to be coming back from 2023 into 2024. So it raises interesting questions about this bullpen because I still firmly believe they need to go get another left-handed relief pitcher. And then by doing that, I think Alex Young is your odd man out. He needs to go be insurance down at AAA. I think we talked about this uh, several weeks back. He does still have an option available, if I remember correctly. So they would not have to, to cut him or have him clear waivers to send him down. Uh, th that would be an easy one-for-one -one switch. And then that really just leaves you one more spot. And there's some in-house candidates for that spot, depending on what could possibly happen with TJ Antone. I know that uh, you talked about not being shocked if he didn't come back at all, not being shocked if somewhere this offseason we heard the announcement of his retirement, but I don't You've know if you workout followed videos. Yeah. <laughs> that man is a beast in the gym right now. Um, you know, if there's something wrong with his arm, he is certainly not showing it uh, with the videos he's posting from his workouts uh, this offseason, which is encouraging to me. Uh, I, I, I feel like he's actually doing a normal offseason prep uh, getting ready to come back and try and pitch in 2024. Uh, if you can get a healthy TJ Antone, I, I just I don't know because we keep saying that, right? We keep saying, oh, what if, what if Antone years was healthy? What would it look like? He would be a stud and then he gets hurt again. And so I'm putting him in the, uh, the icing on the cake category, Jeff. I think if he is able to pitch in the major leagues at all in 2024 and give the Reds anything at all, it's just a bonus. I'm not going to rely on it. So what that means is there's still one more spot in that bullpen that they can go out and get another guy. They can promote somebody from within. They can put two of these odd men out from the rotation into the bullpen. Um, you know, there was some speculation that the more the Reds have seen Levi Stout pitch, the more they think he could be in the relief pitcher lane. They used him as such at times in 2023. So, so maybe he's another option for that bullpen. I, I'm not sure how they're going to fill that last spot because uh, they've spent quite a bit of money on pitching already. I know you want them to go out and still get a top flight one, two type starter on top of all the other things that have been done, which would then really create pitching staff chaos of where you're going to put everybody. Of a good kind, though, and I, I I tend to agree with you. There's there's some spots that you have to start asking yourself question, and you, you kind of answered my next question. I'm curious what the comment section thinks. I mean, this is kind of going with a deep cut here, but does Alex Young preclude them from going and signing another lefty? And I tend to agree with you. I think if they can upgrade that lefty spot and you have Sam Mall and another lefty, then your bullpen's looking pretty good because, I mean, Alex Young was fine at times, but he fell off a cliff real quick. So I, I think that the Reds need to take that into account this offseason. And by no means are they done. This is definitely not going to be a final uh, pitching ranking episode. We'll, we'll talk about how this pitching staff shakes out multiple times throughout the offseason because I think there are mo more moves to be made for the Reds. But uh, it's interesting to see how it already shakes out right now. Well, we're going to keep talking about this pitching staff and, and how it looks. Uh, we're going to dig into some of these questions and comments here in just a second regarding the pitching staff uh, before ultimately just handing over uh, the ship completely to you guys that are watching us live here on YouTube. Thanks so much for being here for our Aloha Friday live edition 
of the show. I know Jeff's voice is struggling a little bit and I'm, I'm trying to carry him the whole way. I've got him on my back folks. And I'm going to tell you what that makes your back hurt. I don't, I'm kidding. Jeff. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're going to get into all that coming up here in just a minute. But before I get into all that, I want to shout out the sponsor of today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you in part by FanDuel. You can score often this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers are going to get 150 bucks back in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's right. You're going to get $150 in bonus bucks back. If your team wins that $5 money line bet, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, the over-unders. You know, that's what's wrong with Jeff right now, folks. He took an under this week, and he's still sick from it. That's that's how bad taking the under hurt Jeff Carr. <laughs> you can do that and so much more. You can combine prop bets on a game into a single game parlay for even more fun. Uh, FanDuel has the Reds 20 to 1 odds to win the National League next year. Uh, that's a pretty good bet. I would take that. Uh, you know, the signing of Martinez and Pagan may or may not have moved that line since we we plopped it in here, but um you know, it's still a good time to get that bet in. Yeah, you can get in on the Reds to win the World Series. Also, uh, you know, a little a little bet could go a long, long way uh, and make the season a lot of fun. To get in on the action, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and start turning your sports knowledge into cash in your pocket. FanDuel is an official partner of the National Football League and the official sports book of Locked On. Speaking of Locked On, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel right here on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts from the Locked On Network, plus all of our national shows that cover every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, next week, Jeff, I think uh, we're going to be continuing to dig through these position players. Hopefully, you can talk. We're going to continue one-by-one one player personnel breakdowns and just kind of continue to roll through this offseason. We've reached the point where uh, we're, we're in that part of the offseason where you're just anticipating. You're waiting for something big to happen, and the winter meetings are coming and I, and I feel like Nick Crawl is primed, man. It's like he's he's done these couple moves. He's got the ball rolling. And, and it's just, just a matter of time before we get that, that press conference signing with the guy with the jersey. I'm going to drop a different reference on you that I've dropped on this show before. But he's really got the spirit bomb charged up. And I, I think he's about to drop it on everybody right now. So looking forward to seeing what he's got for us. And speaking of what we got for us. Let's take a look at some of these comments. And I I kind of like this one to start from Carrie Reinhardt. She said, will the Reds be focused on obtaining a starting pitcher, a lefty starting pitcher? And it's kind of interesting because the Reds have more lefties on their in the rotation right now than I've ever seen them have before. It, it, it brings a, a single tear to roll down my cheek the number of lefties that are on this pitching staff. Now, granted, there's not nearly enough of them in the bullpen. I mean, I just finished saying they need to go out and sign a left-handed pitcher for the bullpen. I don't know that a left-handed starter is the primary target. I think left-handed, right-handed, uh, it's not going to matter much of what they go out and get. They're going to go out and, and at least attempt 
to make a push to get the best starting pitcher upgrade that they can get for this rotation, whether that's a lefty or a righty. Uh, I think honestly, if, if all things being equal, it might make more sense for them to go get a right-handed pitcher just to kind of balance things out and keep the opposing team's lineups uh, from getting settled in and getting into a routine. So uh, it would make more sense to me, Jeff, that it would be a right-handed pitcher. But I think at the end of the day, uh, the best one available is who Nick Carl is going to go for, right-handed, left-handed, doesn't matter. And following along with Carrie, Austin B. asks, six-man rotation? I know oh. you and I have, have oh, one to that. We have been advocating for that for two years now. And, you know, given what this rotation has showed us as far as their durability, this might be something to explore. Um, and the way that you and I set this up, I maybe a year and a half ago now when we talked about this really in depth, Jeff, but we both came up to a conclusion where we would like to see a six-man rotation where the sixth spot was actually the six, seven, eight pitchers for the rotation that would shuttle back and forth between Louisville and you would bring a guy up for a couple starts and then send him back down and bring the next guy up for a couple starts and send him back down so that everybody's innings were being limited a little bit and and you could keep people healthy and then once you got to June July August and things were in a groove and you could see who was going to be durable and who was not you could start to to spin up those innings counts more rely less on a six-man rotation and and have guys with still a lot left in the tank should you reach the postseason. I don't think that's a terrible idea to, to try, uh, especially through April and May, especially while there's so many questions surrounding how's Hunter Green's hip going to hold up? How is Nick Lodolo's leg going to hold up? Which Graham Ashcraft shows up to start this season? Is it good Graham Ashcraft or is it bad Graham Ashcraft? You know, having that extra guy in the rotation goes a long, long way into limiting the damage that could be done early on. Because, I mean, it's really sad to say, but uh, seasons can be won and lost in April. And this Reds team is notorious for just putting up stinkers in the month of April. They really can't afford to come out and only win five or six games in the month of April and then try to scrap their way back into it like they've done in seasons past. I really would like for them to come out of the gate. And, you know, I'm not saying they're going to go wire to wire. What I like, I would love for them to go wire to wire. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. But they need to be closer to that conversation than they do the the 3 and 18 start conversation, I think is what I'm saying. I would definitely agree with that. I mean, the games count the same, right? I mean, if you, if you play a game in April, you play a game in September. As much as we we talk about September stretch runs and things like that, like if you win or lose a game in April, it's the same on your record as if you win or lose a game in September. And kind of playing off of this six-man rotation, this was something I got um, was a DM on Twitter, which, by the way, you can hit me up on Twitter, at Jeff Carr with three Fs. I'm happy to always talk Reds with you there. And you can also hit Steve up at S Offenbaker with two Fs. Uh, but Rob Rusk actually brought up an interesting point, not necessarily about the six-man rotation, but something that they do in the minor leagues, the idea of piggyback starts. And really, it's almost like you have a six-man, seven-man, maybe even eight-man rotation where it's like, okay, you have this guy who, like you say, his, his example was, all right, Green, Ashcraft, those guys probably okay, don't necessarily need a piggyback start. Andrew Rabbit, maybe you have him go four or five innings, and then you have Martinez who can go three or four, you know, whatever the whatever he needs to go behind him. It's it's an idea that I've seen play out in the majors or in the minors. And I think that mostly 
it just has to do with development and not putting too much stress on a pitcher's arm. But being that we've never seen it tried out in the major leagues, because I think there's a little bit of contract stipulations with that. Like if you're a guy that's only going four innings every start, regardless of the strategy of your team, whenever you go to arbitration, they're going to be like, you're only going four innings every start. We're not going to pay you that much more money than you think that you're worth. But I think that there's something to that. And maybe, maybe not necessarily having a piggyback starter for everybody in the rotation, but maybe the bottom two guys. There's something to be said for it, but then, you know, you kind of hit on the key point there. It's never been done at the major leagues. And you would think here in the year 2024, if this was something that would help at all uh, with all of the, the pitching revolution, the new way of using pitchers that's gone on the last five to 10 years, someone would have tried this already. Uh, I think some of the financial implications player buy-in, I think you're right. That's probably part of it, but it just roster construction. If, if you go and start relying on piggybacks and your starters aren't ever stretched out to go more than four or five innings, you're locked into carrying 10 pitchers that are designated the day of the week that they're going to throw under current major league baseball rules. That just leaves you three relievers in your bullpen that if anything ever goes wrong, a guy doesn't have it that day. He, he goes out to throw the first of his four innings and is hurt in that inning, takes a liner off the arm, you know, tweaks something, uh, I think with the roster restrictions, it makes it a little difficult to implement that fully. Now, there are a couple guys that coming off of injuries, it might be interesting to do this with. We talked about, would they make Nick Lodolo a relief pitcher and and make him a reliever? No, uh, not a true reliever, but could they use him to start this season as maybe Hunter Green's piggyback? Or if you don't want to stay with the same kind of handedness, if you wanted to put Ashcraft and then follow him up with Nick Lodolo for the, the next four innings until Lodolo has demonstrated that he's ready to just drop into his rotation spot, that's an idea. And then you're only giving up one additional rotation spot. There's another six-man rotation-ish, not six starters, but that six starter on the roster to – to fill in somewhere, uh, I'd be down for that in April, especially in April. That would be an interesting experiment to run in April. Go, go ahead and get get Derek Johnson on the phone, Jeff. Let's let's get that, make that happen. Call him up this afternoon, shoot him a text, <laughs> let him know that's what we want to do because uh, I don't think that's a bad idea, especially with Nick Lodolo. Just just for for the beginning, just to make sure that he's going to be okay and that he's going to have it coming out because you know these young guys are, I think you know going to be pressing a little bit some of them to to pick up right where they left off and uh i've seen blowing by in the comments here several uh questions relating to sophomore slumps that i think we'll probably get to because um that's an interesting conversation yeah that and then a an option in the outfield that we haven't talked about although i do find them a little bit intriguing except for one glaring weakness we'll talk about that coming up next before we talk about that, though, I want to let you know, you can follow us in between episodes. I mentioned Twitter earlier. You can follow us, me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. Yeah, Twitter, X, whatever. Uh, you can also join the Lockdown Reds Discord community. Got a lot of great folks talking baseball there all throughout the year. Uh, all right, let's uh, continue here. Let's Let's start with this because, and I saw, let's see, Chad was the first to ask it and i scrolled away from it and i don't know where it, there it is uh and i believe he meant sophomore and i think uh autocorrect got him there but are you guys worried about sophomore slumps from all these rookies from last year i think about jonathan india's second season drop off now 
I do think that there was a special circumstance with India. He was dealing with injuries, but I mean, that's, that's part of it, right? Like you have to stay healthy. Health mm-hmm. is part of the game. Someone got in Jonathan India's ear also and tried to convince him to be a power hitter. That was really yeah, that what was, was weird in Jonathan yeah. India's second year. He tried to change his entire approach and be a hitter that he wasn't. Um, and, and that led, right. that played a large part in his sophomore slump. So if we're looking at, because this team is banking on a lot of second year players, we've talked about it before, who are the guys that we think are going to take that step? How do we kind of power rank those guys? So let's do the opposite of that. Let's be realistic for a minute, maybe even slightly pessimistic for a minute. If we had to power rank the guys that were worried about the most taking a step back, how would you power rank those guys? I think the the guy that's poised to at least give us a slump to start considering where they finished in 2023 is Noel V Marte. And there's a couple reasons for that. Um, he got hot there in September and, and was playing a little bit above his head for a rookie just called up. I think uh, that just automatically lends himself to a little bit of a dip, what we would call a slump, something that's going to at least catch our attention. Add on to that, that he injured himself down in the Dominican League. He's in Cincinnati right now uh, being evaluated by the Reds team doctors. Uh, I, I would put Noel V. Marte at the top of the list of guys I would ex- expect not to be as good as they were at the end of 2023. Now, I'm not saying that he won't build back up to that. I just don't think he's going to start there. Uh, the other guys, I think for the most part, they showed us who they were. Um Matt McClain coming back off of uh, finishing the season with an injury. You know, he also has the potential to dip a little bit, but I truly believe that Matt McClain showed us exactly who he is and and the player that he is. And I think that's the guy he's going to be. And he's going to be that guy for a long, long time. That's why I've already started advocating, lock him up, give him a deal, put the, put the C where's my C it's over here, put the C on his chest, do all the things. I, I, I love that dude. Um, you know, I think Ellie De La Cruz has the most potential to skyrocket out of the gate. Uh, I think Spencer Steer is another model of consistency. So uh, those guys, I don't listen. The Reds hit a probably once in our lifetime bonanza of prospects all hitting at the same time. None of them falling on their face. None of them being overmatched when they came to the major leagues. And I think that's going to lend itself also to a once in a lifetime sophomore performance where there will be some ups and downs there will <laughs> there will be some peaks and valleys but when we get through it all at the end of 2024 they're all going to have been the guys that we had hoped they were going to be um and 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 this red fan base guys listen I love you all and I understand why you are the way that you are but Game three into the season, if somebody opens up Ofer, if if Matt McClain comes out and goes Ofer his first two games, can can we just take a pause on the, oh, my God, see, we relied on all of these dudes, and it's over. It's over. They can't hit. It was, it was all smoke and mirrors. Please don't do that to start 2024. This is probably heading into 2024. I am counting on one of the most exciting seasons of baseball that this team has ever given us. So – Get yourself, get your mind right, right now. Start telling yourself that it's going to be a long, fun, exciting season. And, and, and let's not all burn our Reds gear on, on April 1st or 2nd if they've not done exactly what we wanted them to do. I think, and 
by the way, I mean, the best example of that is Will Benson. I mean, yeah. What'd he go? One for what did we say it was one for 48 or something. And then but he comes I think back. he only had one more hit than you did in April. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Yeah. And I, I think that um, there's definitely, I mean, the easy pick is Ellie just because there's such a wide range of outcomes with him. But I thought that he showed us some things uh, there toward the I, end of the season with his plate discipline. And I think that you there's. Really think, you really think he. It's interesting because well, he showed, I, I, he showed us last year. Account where where they finished right and and you know right. he, he had that hot start he had that amazing oh my god start but then showed us that you know he's human after all and right. needed to work on some things at the major league level but you know he's coming back in here and i, I see just his trajectory being different versus some of the other guys that performed up here that have more of a potential to at least drop off to start things i can't see ellie falling much farther from where he was there towards you know the second half of his call up that's fair and i think that i'm approaching it a little bit more as like you know where where kind of our expectations and hopes are for him and where he might finish the season but you're right i mean his starting point is lower than when he was caught up when he was caught up the hype was real and he delivered i mean he delivered for that first month and a half he was hitting like 350 and then for the next month after that he hit like a buck 50 and we kind of thought okay there's an adjustment period. Let's see what he's got after this. And I'm with you. I, I think that he's got much better shot to really take that next step forward. And I think, too, the one guy that I'm most worried about taking a step back is Andrew Abbott. I really think that he's got great stuff, and I really think that he's got great mechanics. It's just the fact that he gives up so much hard contact really gives me a lot of pause. I mean, he gave up, I think the average exit velocity against him was like over 90 and he gave up more than 50% fly balls whenever he gave up contact. So when you do that in Great American Ballpark, we know what that means. So I really want to see that change a little bit. Maybe he's more grounder efficient. Maybe he's more, you know, able to reduce the hard contact that he allows. Because Graham Ashcraft allows a lot of contact, but it's not hard. He's very good at making sure that it's weak contact against him. And I think that Andrew Abbott could benefit from that with his pitch mix. He could absolutely do it. And I don't think it would be that big of a change, but seeing the numbers that he put up this past year does give me a little bit of pause for what next year. Could be. Well, you know, with Andrew Abbott, it was really a tale of two pitchers during the course of the season, right? Because you, you look at what he did his first, I don't know, 10 starts that, that first, that run there where we were like, is this guy ever going to allow a run? Is he ever gonna, you know, let, uh, this is amazing. We've got the new Cy Young, right? That was what that first initial run looked like, but then things changed over the rest of his time in the majors there in 2023. And then you get into his final, I don't know, you take his last five starts, Jeff. I mean, you know, his, his, you go five starts back, that gets you to his first start of September in 2023. He went six and a third innings. Not a bad outing. The Reds won that game two to one. Uh, but then things just jumped right off the track. You know, his second start of September, he only managed to go four innings. He allowed six earned runs, walked three on four hits. You know, the next time out against the shell of the ghost of the New York Mets from what they yeah. were at the beginning of the year. He only managed to stay in the game for three and two thirds innings, allowed six hits, gave up two earned runs, you know, walked three, 
Uh, and, and then it kept going on his next time out four and a thirds against the pirates before finally finishing the season, only managing to go two and a thirds innings against Cleveland guardians to, to wrap up his 2023 campaign, allowing three runs on eight hits in that, in that two and a third inning outing. So you look at those numbers and, and, and the question that's on my mind, the question that's probably on everybody's mind is which one of those dudes is the real Andrew Abbott? Is it that guy that got that initial call up? And then what we see there at the end of the season was really, he just ran out of gas. His arm was tired. He'd been asked to do more than he'd ever done as a professional pitcher. Um, I'm, I'm leaning that way. That's, that's at least, okay. I'm hoping that way. I, I guess that's probably a more fair statement. I'm hoping that he was just tired and that when the season comes back around here in 2024, he'll be that guy that the reds called up initially and be able to be that guy longer into the season because he's got a little bit more under his belt. He's learned, he's adapted, he's adjusted. Um, but the simple truth is we don't know. And we won't know until <laughs> September of 2024. We don't know which one of those dudes he really is. Um, you know, I suspect he's somewhere in the middle, Jeff. I, I don't think he's going to come out and be in the Cy Young conversation for 2024, but I also don't suspect he's going to pitch poorly enough to get bounced from this rotation. So uh, I see him as a solid number three, solid number four guy that could pitch his way more up. Uh, but I have said this, if the Reds don't go out and sign a big frontline starter between now and opening day, I think Andrew Abbott should be the opening day starter because it should be based on what have you done for me lately? There's nobody on this roster that has a body of work that just gets them handed the opening day assignment. So for me, my money, Andrew Abbott starts opening day in Cincinnati uh, against uh, uh, who are they starting? The Nationals on yep. March 28th. And I like that they're starting against the Nationals. But uh, yeah, so we went a little bit long with that conversation about sophomore slumps. So the answer to the question about this one guy that I've seen in the comments section and who the Reds should go after, that's what we will start for our audio folks as we're about to switch over and we'll do a bonus episode for our audio folks here. If you're watching here on YouTube right here live, please stay with us. But this will wrap us up for the audio portion of episode one for the Aloha Live edition here on Friday, December the 1st. Thanks so much for checking it out. Make sure that you uh, follow us live every single Friday throughout the offseason as we will be with you uh, because we are Locked On Reds every single day.